there, ladies. Have you ever been in the field and felt the need to yield to a panty shield? Not me. I'm Amber Gold, OSI super agent and full-time woman. New from Voop comes Menstruation Munitions, the only tampon with both civilian and military applicators. Guaranteed to hold a full quart of Aunt Flo's Bloody Mary mix. Hey babe, could you reach in my pack and grab me one of those Voop Menstruation Munitions? Uh, seriously babe? On the rag in the field? Oh, fine. Here, here. Is this one of them? I, I, I don't know where anything is in your purse, lady. Just take take this. No, babe. I need one of the 12 days. It's a heavy blow off. Oh, come on. This is why I never do missions with women in the woods. Bears. Voop comes in a variety of calibers made for any size chamber. And because they're made by Voop, they're ribbed for her pleasure. And bear proof. Find all new Voop menstruation munitions at your local gun store, trade show, pawn shop, flea market, Underland, Hanko, or Texas. Thanks to Voop, I've got menstruation munitions ready to lock and load. Now I'm ready to send my enemies to hell on a river of blood. Theirs, not mine. Mm. Gross. Go Team Venture! Gary, nobody cares about the Venture Brothers. People care. Well, just be quiet. All right, fine. People really need to know this stuff. This week's episode originally aired on December 19th, 2004. Production number S01. And featuring Soulbot as helper. It is a very venture Christmas. It, I, it is everything that you could possibly have wanted out of a Venture Brothers Christmas. And it is in the tradition of those very special Christmas episodes, which I feel like we're getting somewhat less of. Uh, and I don't know if that's because everybody has to do them now. But, you know, it, it was hearkening back to those very special episodes. And, you know, uh, you mentioned the Flintstones one at some point. Uh, you know, we, the Beast, you mentioned that you enjoyed the Storyteller and the, uh, the Jim Henson very special Christmas episode. So when they weren't doing Just Say No episodes, they were also doing very special holiday-themed episodes. And this is an attempt to recapture everything about all of them simultaneously and with great success. I'd also like to point out that this is the single most appropriate episode for our man who voices Dean Venture, Mr. Michael Centerniklas. 
to be yeah. participating. Yeah, his last name is literally Santa Claus. Yeah. Saint Nick, Santa Claus. So we get a very special Astro Base Go special presentation intro. And then we see Dr. Venture in his uh, night cap and gown, a la Ebenezer Scrooge, in a snow-covered graveyard with a tall, black-cloaked figure standing over him, pointing at a grave. Dr. Venture asks the cloaked spirit if what he's about to see is a shadow of what will be or of what may be. The spirit keeps pointing, so Dr. Venture walks over to the grave, which says, here lies Dr. Thaddeus S. Venture. He cries out, spirit, tell me, is this my grave? The spirit throws back its hood to reveal it's Brock with bone arms. (laughs) And he says, What's it look like, genius? And Dr. Venture yells, no, spirit, no. And then he hugs the spirit and cries. But we hear the harp sound, right? We're waking up out of our dream. He wakes up safe in his bed. Uh, I believe he's hugging a chair. Is that correct? What is he hugging at the beginning of the episode? So at any rate, he wakes up. He's is it one it. of those like uh, Japanese body pillows with an anime lady on them? No, that's not right. <laughs> I've just it, 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 I've just I've got my Japanese body pillow, but mine just has James Franco. <laughs> Her name is Kamiko. <laughs> it is indeed a chair. He is gripping onto it. It's like a. It almost looks like a gamer chair, but it's 1970s style. It's like yeah. a wingback chair. Yeah. 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 We just pull up our pants and wing back, wing back. So from there, uh, Dr. Venture realizes he's woken up. He vows to live in the past, present, and the future. And then we see his heart grow three sizes and burst out of the frame, a la the Grinch. So we've gotten our Christmas Carol reference. We've gotten our Grinch reference. He runs out to the balcony and waves at Hank who is walking in the snow below. What day is it? And Hank, putting down his Charlie Brown Christmas tree, tells him it's Christmas Day. Dr. V acts so giddy and says that the spirits have done it all in one night. His nose begins to glow red and he begins to soar into the air like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. So in the first minute and change here of this Venture Brothers episode, we've gotten... Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, right? We've gotten Charlie Brown Christmas. We've gotten A Christmas Carol. And uh, um, (laughs) I'm literally looking at the notes. Oh, and The Grinch. (laughs) It just took me a second. Well, and also uh, bear in mind, Hank was also dressed as Charlie Brown. Uh, and, dude, that Dean reference, right, where he gets like, no one wants a Dean in the box. <laughs> oh, the Island of Misfit Toys. Yeah. Uh, it was so good. And I love it that he's like flying around and you see Orpheus, right? And is like, Merry Christmas to you, Dr. Vincia. And then he said, Merry Christmas, Helper. And Helper's dressed like Tiny Tim with his little crutch. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, 
It was so good. Uh, Merry Christmas, ye old fountain. Merry Christmas, shiny X1. Merry Christmas, Dr. Orpheus. Uh, and of course, uh, Dr. Venture flies around a little bit more, laugh like a crazy person, then crashes into a tree. The screen fades to static, and we see that Dr. Venture has been dreaming this whole time. So it was a dream within a dream, okay? And uh, he fell asleep on the remote, which is stuck to his face. And every time he breathed, it changed the channel, which is why you were getting all these Christmas stories mashed up. Now, before we go much <laughs> further... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are we doing an episode of Ventures, or is this a Christopher Nolan plot? I, I was going to say, was Inception a Christmas movie? I don't remember if Inception was a Christmas <laughs> movie, but he might have snuck another reference in there. <laughs> now... Has this ever happened to you? Once that I can recall. Uh, my alarm clock, I had one of those when I was in high school. I had one of those old school, uh, either be the radio or just be a beep. And apparently I somehow hit it to the alarm, which I never did. I always woke up to a beep and I don't even know what radio station it was on because I never used the radio on it. So all of a sudden I'm having a dreamed as i'm about to wake up and it breaks out into a full music video i groggily kind of wake up out of it because why is there music playing and of course it's the same song still playing on the radio but that's the only thing it, it sticks out that hard and it was at least 15 years ago uh i mean not really channel surfing per se but like uh i fell asleep during uh abraham lincoln vampire hunter <laughs> <laughs> and uh i had some pretty weird abraham lincoln dreams like uh i i don't remember a whole lot but i remember like there was like a, a mild amount of adventuring and like lots of stove pipe hat uh yeah it, i mean it was all like really vague and when i woke up like I felt like the whole thing was just kind of disappointing. Like we got to the, the climax of the dream and it was you were like, just walking up behind him in a theater about to lift <laughs> up your hand. <laughs> and then right. all of a sudden you woke up. No, I'm going to get him. <laughs> yeah. Or that. Yeah. Like, or, you know, I th maybe the dream ended up with us like getting the ticket and he's like, yeah, this sounds like a great show. Like, <laughs> Just need one more chapter in the dream. <laughs> Um, no, yeah, just the weird Abraham Lincoln dream uh, is really the only time I've, I've had like direct media uh, influence. That wasn't, um, let, let's just say, uh, you know, enabled by brain candy. Because, uh, I mean, I've, I've had some weird instances listening to the uh, Hitchhiker's Guide on, on acid. Um, but that's a whole separate thing. That, that's... <laughs> that's shooting for like that's designing yourself to get the abstractions not them accidentally happening to you <laughs> yeah i uh this is something that i have always had happen to me so i identify with this really strongly uh the one of the earlier times i can remember is uh we were traveling from chicago back down to wilmington uh riding in the back of the van and africa by toto was on the radio and in my dream, I am rolling in this like rad racer dune buggy across this like rolling land 
landscape that I know is Africa, and I'm just jumping over these hills, right, while Africa is playing, and it's like so 80s. <laughs> like, I can remember the dream so vividly. Like, the sky is all these, like, 80s colors, and, Dude. like, we're going so fast, and Africa is just pulsing and pounding, and there's, like, you know, I'm not hitting any animals or anything. It's just so smooth. Like, I remember that so clearly. But, like, it also oh. it, it still happens to me. Because, uh, like, one of the things I – one of the podcasts I really enjoy is uh, Shat the Movies, right? And uh, the guys are on there talking. Like, I'll put it on and kind of fall asleep. I also do that one and uh, the History of the English Language and Tides of History right? Which is doing a great prehistory segment right now. And uh, there were several dreams I had when I was on my kind of like big shot, the movies kick, where I was like doing stuff and then wound up with those guys wherever I was at. And they're carrying on conversations. And I'm like, my brain is inserting situations that make these conversations make sense. Dude, okay, so, so the Toto dream sounds exactly like an episode of Teen Titans Go. <laughs> it's called 404020. And it's about like uh Cyborg listens to this song by a band called BER, and it's called The Night Begins to Shine. I can't implore you enough to listen to this song because it is amazing and awful at the same time it's like the most generic like dance track but you can't help but like get into it um but like yeah it literally transports you into the cover like a universe that looks like the cover of a like 80s trapper keeper <laughs> there's like a, there's like a, a a dragon with metal wings that's playing like it's got sunglasses on and it's playing a keyboard that's like 360 around it <laughs> like, yeah and so they actually have a series of episodes centered on this song and that dimension uh it's it's what hooked me into teen titans i'm like this song is awful but I, okay and then they kept like it was an episode arc that kept popping up and when I, like the it all culminates with like fallout boy and CeeLo green like doing guest spot it's exactly the premise for your dream where they're like you know just cruising and then like yeah it's just this rad dimensions like i never knew i could be so rad and then like you know the adversary presents itself so like uh i wonder if you'd have kept going like down the toto album like if you'd eventually run into like a bad guy i don't know maybe I, I like where this is going. No, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely like. Uh, you need to check this out. It's 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 on the HBO Max or you know internets or wherever you want to get it. But these <laughs> these episodes are are worth it. Uh, and of course, even if you just check out the song, "Night Begins to Shine," it's All the right. most fucking earworm you're going to like. I'm sorry, and you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, Christmas, Merry Christmas. Shall we continue with our episode? And so, <laughs> uh, so Dr. V wakes up. 
notices what's been going on. That explains his dream. And he says, oh, thank God. I thought into a, I thought I turned into a complete beep. Uh, what was the word that they edited out? I should know this uh, because, okay, you can't get the Christmas special on the Hulu. You have to, like, you know, if you're going to watch it, it's got to be. I bought it. Uh, yeah, it's got to be on the disc or, you know, uh, I guess if you buy it digitally. Um, so, like, I remember watching it, but I don't, uh, I don't remember what they, like, because I know that the DVDs are uncensored. What does First he thing is just, like, I don't know, so mundane to me now. Because <laughs> this is one of the things that uh, I wondered about, because I've never seen the uncensored version. And it struck me when I first saw the episode was that it could have been, there were a number of words that it could have been like, oh, I thought I turned into a complete tool, which they wouldn't have edited. Or, oh, I thought I turned into a complete douche, which again, they wouldn't have edited. So it had to be something, oh, I turned into a complete fuck or a complete uh, The lip sync on it, at least what I would, if I was purely having to go on his lips, I just took a look at it real quick. It looks like fuckwad. If I was the guy putting together the lips to make it say words, that would have been me making the words fuckwad, 100%. I, I would be inclined to go with fuckwad. That's pretty solid. That's pretty solid. Now, what's uh, going to be even there. funnier is when I go through and edit this, I'm going to bleep out all of the things you guys, like all of the options. <laughs> That's awesome. Do I have That's to buy awesome. us on Blu-ray or some shit? Like... <laughs> So from there, we get our opening credits and we get a very special holiday themed opening credits. Uh, it is worth the watch. It is very, very, very uncalled for. Uh, it's, <laughs> but it's, also that, it's also that great old school first season style. So if you've been kind of binging through a lot of the newer stuff, it's kind of cool to go back and see that old season one. Uh, you know what my favorite look. part of that intro is? when they're running at the end and they're tired right before they explode off to the off the screen they just like you see them hunch over a little bit like huh and then they explode out i that that was always my favorite part um so it's morning at the venture compound brock is trying to order a gift for dean uh and he's trying to get the joker mobile uh doc walks in and uh turns out he's trying to order for dean and it's like, oh, yeah, Hank's easy to shop for. I'm, I'm giving him my old base. I painted the zebra stripes off and restrung it, and he's going to get that. And Dean's uh, – and Dr. V is, like, more feminine. <laughs> and then Brock says, harder to shop for. And then <laughs> Doc's like, well, you know, you should just take a look at that Sears catalog. He's been leaning all over the house. And <laughs> – Brock's like, yeah, that's you know, he's obviously trying to order it now. And he's like, well, it turns out it's from 1976. So these are all gonna be really hard to find. Oh man, they'd only been doing Kentucky fried chicken in Japan for like two years then. Six years. <laughs> 1970. So uh Dean walks in, Brock and Dr. V are gonna leave the kitchen, and like, you know, it's Dean wants to use the phone. Brock is like, hangs up, walks out. And Dean's like, oh, did one of you leave this Sears catalog behind? <laughs> A lot of great gifts in here. <laughs> Brock 
looks back for a second and then keeps walking. Uh, Dean is definitely harder to shot for than Hank. Uh, but well, and then, uh, from a from a venture cannon standpoint, this is actually kind of a big moment. Uh, we kind of just sailed over. This is Hank getting the base. Without this, we wouldn't have jacket. That's true. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is one of those kind of interesting, like you know, uh, points when they they definitely exercise the, you know, if it happens, it's a thing that happened. So it's like, all right, well, he, you know, he got the base on the Christmas special, so you know, and now he plays base sometime later. He's actually been practicing. That's what I love. That, that means that uh, the reason you get the uh, the Van Halen looking base is because that's what Brock thought would look cool. Um, I like that that's where his mind went when he was like, oh, I got to make, make it look nice for him. Boom. Make it look uh, red with the stripes. Right, Good right. Look. So when they walk off, Dean grabs the phone and then dials stupid fast. He's beep, 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 right? And he gets one of those dial a Santa charge by the minute lines. And it starts like, today's Christmas special is all about Christmas in Holland. Right? So... Hank is sneaking out instead of calling like sex lines, he's calling Dial a Santa. So Hank is meanwhile looking for presents in Brock's closet. Oh, oh, I have the <laughs> I've got the premise for Bad Santa 3. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Keeping that one underneath my Santa cap. <laughs> okay. So uh <laughs> Hank is in Brock's closet going through stuff. Brock catches him. Uh, it's like, uh, hey, I was looking for Christmas videos. Because uh, he's like, oh, your present's not in there. He's like, oh, I was looking for Christmas videos. Man, so you have no him. idea how much you summed up in the sentence. Hank <laughs> is in Brock's closet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he sees what appear to be some Christmas videos. So he pulls them down. Oh, here they are. Miracle on 69th Street. Jingle Balls. Frothy the Blowman. Rudolph the Red member. Uh, okay, Hank. <laughs> I need help putting up the lights, okay? And he hands Hank a staple gun. Hank's like holding a staple gun is helping. And then he like twirls around his finger cowboy style and like sticks it right in his pocket. Like it's pretty balling. What were the, by the way, what were those elves doing to that lady? They're dwarves, Hank. Come on. <laughs> also talking about canon uh if you remember from uh buddy system or no no buddy yeah, is it the buddy system episode uh where they have the camp and he points out that the moppets who are undercover are a chondroplastic dwarves now we understand how brock knows so much about dwarves do you really think they're bringing up those distinctions in video no, like, I think Brock has a kink. And Brock imagine, knows about his kink. Can you imagine <laughs> using porn to educate? Like, what is it that you really want teenage boys to know? You should just start throwing that into porn. Like, oh, I'm not going to let you do me unless you can tell me what was important about the Battle of Waterloo. <laughs> right? You know, it's funny you should say using porn to educate. One of the fun things I used to do uh, when I was working at the car wash and I was in film school, I used to take the 
I used to take the car wash uh, training tape and overdub it with porn sounds. <laughs> so like they would put the vacuum forward and you're uh <laughs> like <laughs> that's educational, right? Like you're learning. Wow. You Makes really me pay attention. Ah, uh, no, I didn't have a No, no, I quit the the car wash. If you get fired from a car wash, like re reevaluate your life. Like that's a job you quit, no matter how bad you are at it. <laughs> like unless you're stealing, like you you should never get fired from a car wash job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Uh, Hank and Brock are walking out of the room. Uh, Hank notices baby Jesus is out of the manger. He says, uh, you know, he says this, which causes Brock to check his fly, which was probably my favorite <laughs> moment in the entire episode. Agreed. It's like, oh, it looks like Jesus is out of the manger. And Brock immediately checks his fly. <laughs> they even do a great little camera pan down for him. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Whoa, uh, is that what he calls his junk? Like... I know if it's just maybe it's a euphemism he's heard before well maybe I mean, it, it was nuns it, it was it, it was kindergarten teaching nuns who gave japan kentucky christmas like yeah, fair enough like i'm gonna start using that in my own household uh apropos of nothing like you know i've, I've got a, a three-year-old clone he's discovering his body he's found his manhandle i'll be like you stop playing with baby jesus in the manger. <laughs> Dude, you're going to mess your kids up even more. Do you think? And I probably shouldn't giggle when I spank them. (laughs) (laughs) I make sure to sing the Imperial March every time I beat my children. No, really, Uh, it's a grand old flag. (laughs) (laughs) What's up with all this bunting? Back to the prayer closet. Back to the prayer closet. Uh, so Hank's about to put baby Jesus in the manger when Brock tells him that it doesn't go there into, until midnight. An old venture tradition, which, by the way, like, why is the manger in Brock's room? It's not. Is that not Brock's room that he was going through the closet of? Because later on in the episode, it's in the main, the main room. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like, maybe, maybe they got it out of Brock's closet, and then, then later on, it gets, you know, in a a movement unseen. I don't know. Like, this, is, why are you putting, you know, like thought into continuity? Stop. Thinking. Stop. <laughs> so, uh, Brock manages. Brock tells him not to put baby Jesus in. They walk out. <laughs> Nobody puts baby Jesus in a manger. Apparently, Hank forgot this old venture tradition that he's done his entire life. Plus, yeah, so, that was a weird beat. Yeah, so which they way, will, uh, who had to have it? Who was staying up until midnight just to put a baby Jesus in the manger? Uh, so as we learn later, there is a party, and I'm guessing that this the party is actually the venture tradition, and the party is. We don't want baby Jesus to see what's going down in here with Jonas Venture Sr. Like, <laughs> They're turning the baby Jesus away in shame. Yeah. Like, 
flip flip the picture over. Like we we, we don't we, we don't want the Virgin Mary to see what's going down in here. So that makes more sense. Uh, they uh they they exit. Baby Jesus rolls over and reveals kind of a weird thing on its back. The camera pans over to the manger, which has like another like trigger on it. And the, we kind of see a see-through of the table and it's loaded with C4 and baby Jesus is the trigger. That's when the plastic Joseph from the nativity comes to life, right? And turns out he gets a message from the monarch. And hang on, I've got to write down, that's the episode title real quick. What, what did you just say? What? Loaded with C4 and baby Jesus is the trigger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Joseph comes to life and the monarch says, you know, like baby Jophus, jo- Jophus, Joseph is there. <laughs> and he like replaces himself with the actual plastic Joseph. And he's like, oh, that was a close one. And back in the cocoon, the monarch's like, oh, we almost lost one of our agents. Granted, his specialty is pretty limited, but he's an irreplaceable element of my sexy new plan to destroy Dr. Venture. Dr. Girlfriend is decorating a tree behind them. What plan? Oh, well, it was supposed to be a surprise for you for Christmas. Killing your arch enemy on Christmas Eve, that's a gift for me? Well, I got you some stocking stuffers, too. Unbelievable, the selfishness. Well, you hate him, too, or are you just lying on our first date? She groans. (laughs) Right, so before we go much farther... Have you encountered this before? Having to mutually hate somebody on your first date just to get laid? No, no, no. Uh, not specifically the tiny Joseph or the, uh, or the, you know, having to mutually hate someone, but getting, shall we say, unreliable intel at the beginning of a relationship? Uh, not something I've really run into. Not horrendously inaccurate, at least. <laughs> yeah. Nothing comes to mind. Like It happened a lot more in high school than it did in college or later. Like, Are you talking about boobs? People are trying to make an impression, and they're trying to make you like them more, so they'll tell you things that turn out not to be true at all. Oh, like that's the whole plot of the Goofy movie. <laughs> the Powerline concerts. <laughs> when I told you, like, the television was apparent. <laughs> I'm only just reciting gospel. <laughs> so, gospel yes, goof. like the Goofy movie. So... The uh, the girlfriend, she says, what's the big plan? The monarch says, ha, I'm glad you asked. Behold. And then the floor opens up to reveal a scale model of the venture compound. Tiny Joseph has managed to slip into the venture compound and cleverly booby trap it. At the strike of midnight, Dr. Venture will place his precious porcelain baby Christ in its manger. Oh, and when he does, it will set up a series of explosions that will deck his halls with bowels of venture. Dr. Girlfriend sighs. Monarch says, what? Dr. Girlfriend says, the model was supposed to be a surprise. And the monarch says, I peaked. Right? <laughs> so that's that that's good relationshiping right there. That, yeah. that really is. Okay, so there's a couple of scenarios here. Have you ever bought a gift for yourself 
under the ruse of giving it to someone else. This usually happens when you've you've been coupled off for so long. Like, uh, I got this instant pot for us. Yes, sure you did. I, that thing terrifies me. It looks like <laughs> Darth Vader's like chest plate on a crock pot. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, likewise, when I'm like, you know, yeah, babe, I, I mean, I've got, you know, no, no, hang on. Let me say it right. Yeah, babe, we've got all the Assassin's Creed games. I just bought us the new one. <laughs> like, uh, so uh, obviously, like, those are my examples. <laughs> I just bought us weed, so I'll smoke it, and you don't have to put up with me being insane. <laughs> There's possibly that one, but no, not much in the way of a exclusive partner buying. Uh, no. <laughs> I have never done that, because there is nothing, and I mean nothing, that I would buy for myself that my wife would be a huge fan of like the actually there is one gift and I know my wife will never listen to these episodes. I'm going to tell you guys right now what I am saving for her Christmas gift. Cause it is so good. I've been holding on to this for a decade. All right. Coming up here for <laughs> next year's Christmas, she is going to receive a copy of the Oxford English Dictionary. That is the only gift that I would give to her that I would be as excited about for myself. Well, and uh, I, I- Like not not the little heard, one, the big one that comes with its own stand. It's, right. it's stupid expensive. Well, and if, if anybody's just now kind of over the past few episodes hopping in, if you're not familiar with the, the back catalog, like I can't, tell you how much uh the uh savages love the english language and words like uh i i if i find random articles or whatever like podcast episodes i just shoot them to them like the the longest standing argument in their their like relationship is about the oxford comma comma. it's not the oxford comma it's just comma usage comma usage in general yeah sorry um so this is kind of a big deal but now unfortunately you've showed your hand and i know how to get at least one extra click this this uh listening cycle (laughs) one extra click yeah targeted marketing you're gonna text my wife and be like if you want to know what jason's getting you for i'm sorry damn it (laughs) you said your own name five that's five for me that's five for me if you want to know what uh, if you want to know what Savage is getting you for Christmas next year, listen to the episode. Hey, man, bound to happen. See, this is why you shouldn't refer to yourself in the third person pseudonymously. <laughs> right. Um, okay, so let's let's go for for number two. Have you ever just done the deed, done the dirty deed, and peaked? Now, the follow through on this obviously has to be you know, either one of two ways. You've either gotten caught and you have to own up to it or you have to fake surprise. But have you ever just straight up like uh, peaked on a Christmas gift? Not in my adult life. Ditto. 
Yeah. As as an adult, I like the surprise. As a kid, for sure did it. My favorite one was the big gift that I didn't peek at, but got ruined anyway. It was the year I got a PlayStation 2, and they were saving it for the end of opening all the presents, save the big present for the end. And uh, dad forgot and slipped a game in there. So I got a game for a system I didn't own. And uh, that was kind of the, the the dead giveaway. So I was just sort of like, oh, oops, shit. <laughs> um, definitely peaked a few times at a few things, but I never happened to actually peek at anything that was like worth getting caught if I had gotten caught. But I don't ever remember getting caught, so it's all square. Man, when I was a kid, I was so good at knowing what was in the the package just by like shaking it i didn't need to peek i could you're a master shaker always guess like this is clearly legos this is clearly a video game this is clearly a book i only told you i wanted like 18 books so it's got to be one of these judging by the size and weight this has roughly this many pages like i i was really good at guessing like these are clearly socks they're not even wrapped in a box. It's just a package of socks. Okay. Uh, since we got into present shaking and all that, have you guys ever done the taking a very small present and doing it in 800,000 boxes and making it a complete pain in the ass to open? I'm saving that for the OED. Nice. There you go. <laughs> it's going to That's going to be great because box. it's already so heavy. <laughs> She's going to think she still has like 20 more layers to go and then all of a sudden it's just going to be there. Like, <laughs> Oh, dude, like, are you getting uh, like a table lectern or are you getting like a like a straight up stand at lectern? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's going to get it, I'm going to get the standing one. Oh, then you know how that has to be packaged. <laughs> it's a giant <laughs> palace. Wow. Okay, you took that places. Maybe well, hey, come on. We, we, I was we, going we to both, say <laughs> fully assembled. Life. We both know where this is going. <laughs> I was going to say fully assembled. Like you need essentially like nesting boxes, uh, and maybe the biggest you can get is like a refrigerator box. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, maybe I just give her the pedestal one year and be like, "This will make sense next Christmas." <laughs> I got you a riddle, baby. <laughs> okay, so we're back at the Venture Compound. Dr. V is having his uh, quote-unquote usual Christmas Eve shindig with all of his old pals, even the ones who tried to kill him. Billy Quizboy, Pete White, uh, they're back in this corner kind of doing the antisocial thing when they spot Triana from behind who's sitting alone on the couch. Billy says, hold the phone, total babe alert, 12 o'clock. Pete White's like, oh, yeah, I know her type. Uh, watch and learn, Wilhelmina. Now, I have to pause here. Which Wilhelmina is he talking about? Uh, there's more than one? Yeah, yeah, but he says, watch and learn, Wilhelmina. My initial thought was that it was like a Little Women joke, but I've never read Little Women, so I don't know. But that was vaguely Christmassy, right? Uh, like... Uh, but like I, I felt like it had to be a literary reference. I just didn't get it. Like, like I, I know that Wilhelm means uh, like power helmet, right? Or like 
will desire helmet, right? Wilhelm, William means like, that's the etymology of that. Uh, and Wilhelmina obviously is the feminine, but I didn't know, cause the only like Wilhelmina, like what, Mina from Dracula? Like which, which Wilhelmina was it? Like, I didn't get it. Uh, it it's a city in Oregon. <laughs> well, and I, I tried to look up the literary references, but there was nothing that like jumped out. Like, I, I just, I didn't get it. Like if any of our listeners know the answer to this question, please, please, please let me know. Cause this was killing me. So Billy's like, okay, number one, you're totally gay. Two, she's hot and you're an albino. And three, you're totally gay. So Pete walks over, sits down next to Triana. You know, I was the first DJ at my college radio station to play the Bauhaus. Triana's like, that's great. Wow, that makes you like 60 or something, huh? Nope, just cool. Oops, mistletoe. He's got one of the mistletoe on a string things on his head. Just then the mistletoe poops away in a ball of fire and smolders. Pete looks over to this other side and there's Dr. O standing at him, none too happy that uh, Pete, the old albino, is uh, hitting on his uh, teenage daughter. Pete's a smart guy. He runs away from the angry necromancer. And Triana tells her dad she'd take care of herself. He apologizes and then yells at the room, saying his daughter's maidenhead is not a prize to be won. She yells at him before he can finish yelling, though, and walks off. Uh, as far as embarrassing moments goes, like your dad yelling to a party that your maidenhead is not to be won, is not some prize to be won. Uh, where, where does that rank? Or does this not even rank? Because is she kind of experiencing the same equivalent as like Hank and Dean being the children or child of someone who's been in this quote unquote lifestyle for so long? Well, I mean, I remember the first time it happened to me. It was like at least the second or third worst birthday I've ever had. Um, I feel like it's kind of just par for the course for her at this point. It's sort of like when um, it reminded me of that bit in uh, oh god, when Hatred's having the house party for uh, his new arch venture. We covered that episode not that long ago. Uh, was it yeah. Hate Floats? Mm-hmm. Um, just when uh, Monarch spouts off and he goes all like super villain, and everybody's just like, yeah, 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 calm down. We're all <laughs> villains here. Like it's just like a it's a party full of people who are all sort of in the lifestyle and the 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 ooky spooky guys doing an ooky spooky speech. Who fucking no, we're not even listening to him. Yeah, okay, like he's just yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like it sort of had that kind of vibe, and Triana probably picked up on it. She's sort of a shit rolls offer kind of girl. So. Dr. V walks over. He's like, oh, Orpheus, I wasn't expecting you to show up. I didn't think necromancers believed in Christmas. And Dr. O says, well, the whole affair is about as real as Kwanzaa or the Wookiee's life day, but I do find it charming. I love the Star Wars reference. Uh, Dean, meanwhile, is still on the phone. And uh, Hank says, Hank walks in and says, that gay albino is hitting on your not girlfriend. Dean into the phone and says, wait, what? That's it? What does that even mean? The camel's poo toys? Huh? Ugh! Hangs up. Hank says, did you get a good one? Dean says, no, and I maxed out Pop's Diners Club card, so we can't call anymore. <laughs> uh, so telling. Uh, Hank says, well, can't we just bail on Christmas story time? Well, I'm sorry, well, we can't just bail on Christmas story time. It's tradition. How about Grinch? 
Dean says, nah, I did it last year. Well, I know Dr. O, o, o brought this old book with him. They will look over at the book at the table. He used it when he was baking those gingerbread cookies. Maybe it's got some good Christmas stories in it. So he opens the book, some spooky gray fog floats out of it. They flip through for a second and stop at a picture of a weird goat-footed demon. Dean reads off a bunch of words in a weird language, German maybe, maybe Latin. Uh, outside the kitchen, Dr. O hears this and rushes in. He puts a lock on Dean's mouth, quite literally just slaps like a lock on it. Uh, but he's too late because the spell has already been uttered and the Krampus arrives. He's got chains on his hands, goat feet, cloven hoofed. He's got two scared children, one little boy and one little girl, kind of Hansel and Gretel, in a basket on his back. He's got a long turn tongue and his nipples burst through the door. He <laughs> wanders around as Dr. O uh, tries to help explain what's going on to the guests. How are the guests taking this and what's happening? Uh, I mean, not well. Uh, it's, uh, it's super disruptive. Uh, it, it's almost like if a Great Dane just kind of burst through your door, started whipping your kids and humping everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it, it's, uh, again, this is one of those weird uh, kind of throwaway things um, in terms of they like uh it's really became big later on krampus was pretty obscure to me up until this point this was my first introduction to krampus was like the nipples bursting through the door venture version um <laughs> krampus nipples first Dr. O explains that this intruder is the Krampus, a demon that once rode side by side with St. Nick and dished out punishment to boys and girls who've been naughty, while St. Nick dished out toys to the nice. Dr. V says, that's ridiculous. There's no such thing as Santa Claus. Dr. O responds, not since he was killed by a jet in 1963, no. Nor has there been a Krampus since the, post cast him into the Pope cast him into purgatory during Vatican II, but your boys seem to have inadvertently released him from his chains. Uh, so there's a couple of things here did you yes, catch the paul are. mccartney reference no in the paul mccartney conspiracy he was said to have been killed in a car accident in 1963 ah. yeah um and then of course uh vatican ii uh if you're not uh catholic you might not know uh what the the second vatican council was uh, but essentially, like, it was uh, them getting together, kind of updating the the Catholic Church. Um, and that was started, what, like, 1962? So they banished, like, they, they purged Krampus in 62, and then Santa died in 63. <laughs> so Vatican II was also where they took the Mass out of Latin, which really upset a ton of devout Catholics. I mean, I, I think you would be hard-pressed to find a Catholic who's still ticked off about it today, but the premise was to make the teachings of their Lord accessible to everyday people by teaching the gospel in whatever language was spoken in that area, and it ticked off a ton of really conservative people. 
That's Vatican II. So uh, um, is there a direct correlation between when they switched from Latin to English and when like all of these cardinals started getting caught? <laughs> I'm just wondering. Uh, no, because that didn't happen until the uh, until the post. Ah, uh, fair enough. So we've got Hank blaming this squarely on Dean. He says, "Dean did it. I wanted to read the Grinch." Dean tries to talk, but he's mumbling because his mouth is still locked <laughs> shut. And the Krampus then rolls over and starts licking Triana's face with his long tongue. Triana says, um, Dad? Dr. V says, what kind of kinky Christmas spirit is that? Which is a weird thing to say in a room where Jonas Venture is throwing parties. Uh, and Dr. O says, well, it is Germanic in origin. Well, can't you just, I don't know, magic it away or something? No more than you could science it away. No, the beast will not stop until it's punished the wicked in this house. Dr. V says, well, there's no one wicked, and then all hell breaks loose. The Krampus grabs Dr. V at this point and starts hitting him with a birch branch and then smacks his head to the ground a few times before dry humping him from behind. At this point, Dr. V yells for Brock. And by the way, I'd like to point out that all this is happening with two small children in a basket on his back. So uh, <laughs> and they're constantly like crying. Yeah. Brock bursts into the room as Santa, minus the beard, and fights the Krampus. Uh, he's got his knife. They're going at it. And I, my favorite bit of animation in this episode is actually with watching the two children during the fight. <laughs> uh, what do you think their names are? Hansel and Gretel. <laughs> Solid call. <laughs> Wilhelm and Wilhelmina. <laughs> oh. So they fight. Then the clock stops. Strikes mid. I'm sorry, not stops, but strikes midnight. The Krampus gets up and starts to leave. Brock's about to throw his knife at it. Doctor O stops and saying the Krampus is done and will now leave. As the Krampus is leaving, much to the delight of the monarch, he puts the baby Jesus in the manger and. Outside the venture compound, we see it explode and then it fades to black. But that's not the end of the episode. Because Dr. Venture wakes up inside the X1 with a thermometer in his butt. Brock tells him he was having a nightmare. So we got a dream within a dream within a dream. Now, going based on the Toto premise uh, of, of dream analysis, um, the thermometer explains the dry humping from the Krampus. <laughs> it wasn't so dry, apparently. It was shot from a front-facing angle like that. There could have been a lot going on. Uh. So with that, we have a couple of the, like, what was the fighting sequence, right? Like, what was him getting hit by the birch branch? It looked like the plane had crashed. So what it was could him have been... getting, like, okay, him being pounded on his head, okay. Yeah. 
I mean, just the whole getting jostled around and the getting knocked down and everything could have simulated most of that. Right. Okay. And then, like, the last thing is him getting dry humped. So that's Brock taking his temperature rectally. The, it, 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 it was Helper who was truly Helper. Oh, Helper. I'm sorry. So, Dr. V's like, so everything's okay then? Brock says, not exactly. We have a situation here. The X1's crashed. Radio's dead. We're in hostile territory. Dr. V says, where? Brock says, Bethlehem. And he holds up a sign that says, Church of the Nativity. They crashed into the Church of the Nativity on Christmas. The boys run in. Daddy, you're alive. At the same time, Dean's yelling, or Hank's yelling, Pop, you're okay. Dean says, this is the best Christmas present ever. Hank says, hey, Pop, we saw where Jesus was born. And there's like magical godfire shooting out of it and everything. Just like Dean in the Ten Commandments, says Dean. Brock jumps in with, I think we hit a gas main. <laughs> Dr. V says, so what do we do here, Brock? Brock says, well, that all depends. If the Israelis get here first, we might have a chance. I know some guys in Mossad. If the PLO shows up, well, my Arabic's a little shaky. Dr. V says, no problem. Did you forget this baby runs on pure plutonium? They're going to love us. And Dean yells, that's what Christmas is all about in credits. And you can read more about it in the Bible. In the Bible. <laughs> now, uh, this episode. From, <laughs> from uh, a few character, or I'm sorry, a few character, a few episode notes here. Uh, technically, the Christmas special takes place in between, like before the trial of the monarch, but after Ice Station Impossible. Because you see the impossibles walking around and you see a pregnant Sally impossible. Yeah. Um, but of course, tiny Joseph makes his return uh, in after the trial of the monarch. He's in, you know, he's in prison with the monarch. Yeah. Yeah. And we've got a lot of guests at the party. We've got Mandalay. We've got Action Man, Kano. We've got Sasquatch, the $6 million man, Steve Summers. Uh, we've got Professor Impossible and Sally. We've got the Mexican wrestlers from Dia de los Dangerous. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, and, well, oh, by the way, and we didn't talk about the music. When Brock is fighting the Krampus, the song is Ass Clamp, the same one that is playing when Brock fights those wrestlers. And it's the same one that we have in our, in our opening sequence. Nice. Uh, also, uh, the Joker mobile reference was not a throwaway reference. There's an actual Joker mobile that that they're they're talking about. Uh, that you, you can have to look up a picture of. Yeah, there's a 1950s Joker mobile. Hang on, let's. Buy. 1950s. Yeah, according to the. The notes here. Um, this is the the Joker mobile that they've referenced. Like, and this is a reproduction, obviously. But like, uh, so it is purple, but kind of a nice lavender. It looks like a you know like a 1950s car, but it's got this big fin on the back, and it's got what appears to be a submarine or like a cockpit bubble. Uh, on the top part of the car that stretches pretty much from the back fin all the way up to the front, which has the face of the Joker on it. It looks like a Buick or like a like a late Studebaker. 
That's interesting. Well, and uh, what's interesting is to me is it actually uh, matches the Batmobile of the era because that's from yeah. the same where the I'm trying to pull the, the bat, picture of that. The Batmobile yeah. had the, the bat head, like the, the bat head on it. Yeah, because the one from that era looked a lot like that. Now, yeah. I do have to point out that there is a 1978 Joker movie. And oh, I'm there's also a 1978? Sure. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that's one that they, they're referencing. It looks uh, kind of like a minivan with a really angled front. Um that uh it's got the oh, that's kind weird. Of yeah yeah it's a um, little like a, a hot wheels yeah um and then i kind of see the one that you were referencing the joker mobile with like the kind of crazy face on the front uh there looks like there were a couple of versions of that one as well and there's like the joker mobile like party wagon from migo let's see if i can find what year this was Oh, well, here's actually kind of a representation of it in comic form. Yeah. Yeah, nice. it's kind of cool. So, okay. Uh, yeah, it's a microbus. I feel yeah. like I should have been uh, a little younger to find this out in life. Like, I'm having an adult life with a Christmas nativity where I could actually have a Joker mobile that's lost a wheel. Like, I could have a whole like Batman, you know, like Joker getting away, like Robin Egg, like the whole thing as my nativity in my home. And all I have to do is get one of these damn Joker mobiles that I didn't know well, existed. It, it, I'm it a terrible comic book fan. Lost its wheel and the Joker got away. Um, am I able to share? Uh, can you make me a co-host so I can share my screen with you? Well, you're already our co-host. This is very confusing to the audience. Oh, okay. Uh, you, you, you need to enable it, uh, Senor Lamode. Oh, are you trying to get me to be an enabler? I am. This is the 1975 Joker oh, mobile, cool. and I'm pretty sure this is what they're referring to. That looks like a Sears catalog. These are from piece. the cloth Mego figures, like the large ones. So and it's a micro. Well, and we know that they do have like a, a kind of a reference fetish for the Mego dolls. Yeah. yeah. My guess is it's got the punching arm that comes out. It's got the giant flower that I'm pretty sure the bulb spits water or acid. Yep, that's what it does right there. Mm. Does it have uh, a magnet to go with the uh, the acid flower? Right. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure this is what they that what Dean was actually looking for, not the one that you were looking at, because that would be way too early to be featured in a 1978 Sears catalog. This is 1975. I'm guessing they would have run with this for a while. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Nerd. <laughs> well, are there any, uh, like, as we've kind of gone through and taken a look at these episodes, I am fond of asking what, if anything, we can really take from this episode about the larger Ventureverse, 
Uh, I think Beast actually hit the single most important thing from this episode earlier when he talked about the base. And as to the rest of it, it's a complete throwaway. Although the base happened in a dream, we don't know if that actually happened right here or not. Oh, that's a fair point. Like, yeah, the uh, the establishment of the the dream within a dream within a dream. Yeah, I mean, it, because it does it, it calls out a lot of stuff. Uh, again, one of the things I'm I, <laughs> I'm proudest of is catching uh, Brock's uh, little person uh, fetish. Uh, <laughs> Because I mean, it's one of those. Uh, to me, that that goes up there with like, um, you know, how Tarantino treats characters. Like, it's just these two weird little little drops. So, of course, one's a direct kink thing with the the porn and all. But like, of course, he knows like the correct terms for things because you know it's it's the internet age and and you know you learn about the things you know about now. Like, I don't know. I mean. Uh, when you start going down like the uh, was it uh, going down like the furry rabbit hole so to speak zing um, and learning all that terminology and this that the other like it's its own culture and so I mean now uh, I'm pretty sure that, that Brock is uh, again about that life like there's there's a fan there's a joy can somewhere with an island full of ninjas and tiny women. Here's a question for you. If the Krampus is coming this year, who are the people who are going to be visited? Not just in the Ventureverse. Mm, who's the Krampus coming for? You know, uh, something tells me the Krampus is coming for Elon Musk. <laughs> like by design, though, like I think Elon Musk may have set a Krampus trap. Right. Like, you know, Elon <laughs> Musk is like, yes, you will be mine. You will do my bidding. Bring back Jovan. <laughs> I told you, Papa. <laughs> no, um, yeah, no, it's just well because in one in my mind, as uh, he slowly ascends the, the the wealth ladder in the world, um, you know he, he's got to have like villainous hobbies, and, and of course, like you know, aside from having like a weirdly named kid with a you know relatively obscure British pop star, is Grimes British? I don't. For me, uh, I thought she, I thought she was Canadian. Maybe Canadian, it, 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 right? Um. <laughs> but like yeah i believe he has a hobby like you know he has a stuffed cryptid museum like he's got a sasquatch like posing in like you know uh some weird like you know safari room holding like beef jerky uh because it's funny that way um so yeah i think elon musk would be luring krampus into a trap uh i think krampus would though like be sincerely uh, I think visiting Kanye West. I think Krampus might visit our first lady, who apparently is not a big fan of the holidays. 
So I, I feel like she is Eastern European, which is like prone to cramp eye anyway. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> the like, plural of <laughs> yeah. And uh, from there, she, you know, obviously, you know, she kind of thinks Christmas is all in some bullshit anyway. So uh, I think maybe it, she might get a visit from the Krampus to inspire her to truly find the joy of Christmas, which is, uh, you know. She didn't get enough spider webs as a kid. Apparently not. Apparently not. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, not uh, enough Christmas spider webs. Web. Um, yeah, let's see. Who else? I want uh, Karen versus Krampus. I wanted to see oh, a knockdown yeah. just between you. Like the Karens all get together. They nominate like the head Karen and uh, put those two in a ring together. I'd I, I pay to watch that. Mm. She'd want to see what his manager. That? Santa Claus isn't real. Like it's all <laughs> a fucking mess. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who punched Rick Moranis. Fuck yes. He is getting visited for fucking sure. He's the first one when he's not tired, like Krampus's first stop of the night. Like he gets warmed up on that guy. So who do you think's going to uh who do you think's going to like maybe Nate Robinson? <laughs> Jake Paul knocked him out between Mike Tyson or Roy Jones Jr. Who uh who gets the Krampus? You know, I don't know, but it's the funny you actually bring that up. Apparently, pretty recently, uh, to commemorate the Roy Jones Jr. fight, Mike Tyson had a cake in the shape of Roy Jones Jr.'s head and carved the ear off and ate it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, fucking savage, man. Wow. wow uh, I love Mike. Mike's awesome. <laughs> Dude, and I actually I saw like a random like headline today. It was like, yeah, I got high as hell before I fought Roy Church. I was like, what? He's like, that's just who I am as a person. <laughs> uh, Vaughn, I know you feel that. Yeah, it's one of my dreams is uh, going to go visit Mike over at the ranch. He's only like a few miles that way. I mean, he's dead ass close with a giant weed ranch. Just sat there. That's awesome. Well, I mean, <laughs> you gotta have to understand this hits a lot of like this hits a lot of the walls for for villain. Like, not only is this man like a boxing legend and and you know sports and has those kinds of connections, but like he's got like the Mike Tyson mysteries. Yep. Uh, you know, and as a as an animation, I want to get high as shit and watch an episode of that with him. That'd be the right. most fun <laughs> thing in the fucking world, dude. When did you come up with the pigeon? Who got Norman as the pigeon? Like, I, I gotta, yeah. Yeah, he's been asked all those questions before, but I don't care. <laughs> not by me, not by me. Well, no, uh, no, exactly. So, uh, audience, you know, listeners, dear, sweet, beautiful listeners, uh, if you do believe in Christmas magic, wish really, really hard that our own vaude villain may actually get to, like, you know. Uh, burn a few down with Mike Tyson. Light up some of those Christmas trees, son. Used to this, it was either this or saving that kid with cancer. I'm going with this. 
Fix your cancer tomorrow, son. <laughs> well, guys, we have had an amazing year. And I, it is usually around the holidays that we take a few minutes to reflect here. And I wanted to take this opportunity to thank you guys uh, for kind of going on this journey with me and to thank all of our listeners for going on this journey with us. It is truly a pleasure. And the big thing for me, like the, the whole birth of this podcast came about with just wanting to spend some time every week with my friends. And it is truly a great blessing and a joy that we get to do that and that you guys enjoy us doing it. So thank you so much for listening and for supporting us and enjoying what we do. Uh, do not hesitate to reach out and tell us what you liked or didn't like as we kind of help make the show better. So, you know, do you guys have anything you'd like to add? Um, you know, just a quick shout out to our, again, our international listeners. Uh, that's, that's pretty awesome that we're kind of getting out there. Uh, so we definitely want to hear from you folks. And, uh, you know, not to say that our, our domestic our local listeners uh, don't mean anything to us at all, because you certainly do. Uh, that is the bulk of our audience. We, we believe it or not, as much as we make jokes and stuff, we do enjoy America. We love America. It's a great place. Uh, and so uh, thank you guys so much for just checking us out. Um, as much as we are, you know, burgeoning out to other countries, we are in all 50 states in America. And I think that that's a big deal as well. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. I didn't like even I check that. And I was actually counting that up earlier. <laughs> you counted it out? Yeah. <laughs> hey, nice. Now, I get that there's like uh, a lot of like negative 1% in a lot of places. So shout out to that like one listener in South Dakota and Maryland <laughs> and Missouri and Wisconsin. <laughs> well, I did the math actually Michigan. recently. I mean, that's a big part of the list. Like, <laughs> I did the math recently. Those those uh, less than one percent people. That's still enough to have actually listened to all of the episodes now. So, in theory, that's one person who's at least fully caught up. That ain't bad. That ain't bad. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, we have grand plans for twenty twenty one. And we are so excited to bring that to you as we move forward. So from all of us here at Conjectural Technologies, a venture industries podcast, a podcast I did not mention at the very beginning, nor did I introduce our hosts, myself, the inimitable Doc Savage. I'm sorry, Brock Savage. We are joined as always, dude, I have just been not crushing the name thing. I apologize. As always, we are joined by the lovable, the cuddleable, the lovably and comfortably Baron Beast Lamode. Nipples first. And, <laughs> as always, the man who might get caught checking his presence early, the vaudevillain. The man for whom the sneeze guard is more of a suggestion, not a rule. That's still the, the most man, disgusting one, and you bring it back. <laughs> The man who grew up in the back of a Krampus wicker basket. Right side of the basket's my side of the basket. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the left side of the basket's for Mike Tyson, his pigeon, and a whole bunch of weed. We go to hell with that shit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> well, guys, on behalf of all of us here at Conjectural Technologies, a venture industries podcast and the larger helper Hinch Life Pirate Radio Network. Happy holidays. Check your presents. And we'll catch you guys as soon as we can. Good night, everybody. Conjectural Technologies Podcast is hosted, produced, and researched by me, Beast Lamode, Professor Brock Savage, and Vaude Villain. Edited by Beast Lamode and Vaude Villain. Intro music produced by Professor Brock Savage. Email us at conjecturaltechpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at conjecttech underscore pod and go team venture go team venture Venture. oh that was the worst (laughs) one yet that's great all right let's start over you ready (laughs) one two three go team venture that was even worse all right. All right. I think I'm, I'm going to composite the two together. All right. <laughs> let's do a third one and let's stick the landing. We're going to do a countdown from five. Five, four, three. Go, team. Shoot. <laughs> one. Go, go team. Venture. Venture. It's just so awful. <laughs> that is our gift to you.